Women, you are the queens of our nation, the mother of our home, the pride of our children, a light always left on. You are refined in your ways, a woman of substance, substantially phased by her everyday conscience. A conscience to live in a way that uplifts not just her home, but the home of her brethren. Styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, faith. Bring your ears closer now and your mind will explode and be inspired by the words of Cover Mode. Assalamu alaikum, hello and welcome to Cover Mode. I'm your host, Rishan Isaacs. In the business of fashion, we have Brian Ramkilouan, CEO of Cape Town Fashion Council, who'll expand on the role of the CTFC. In our designer feature today, sister duo Nazifa and Warda Safi of Mod Ish, whose designs graced the runway of the South African Fashion Week last year, has also joined us. And then in People and Things of Interest, Aisha Najib, editor of Muslim Bride, introduces us to the magazine's features and where to get your copy. Brian Ram Kiluan, and I hope I'm saying that right, has served on the CTFC board for the past four years. His career in the fashion industry spans more than 20 years. He studied fashion design in KwaZulu-Natal and lectured in creative design and computer studies at Cape Peninsula University of Technology. As one of the founding members of the CTFC in 2006, he served as vice chairman and executive committee member in 2009 and and 2010, as well as Fashion Academic Chairman from 2008 to 2010. Without sounding like an infomercial, because there's always more with Brian Ramkaluan, who's in studio on Cover Mode with us today. Hello and welcome to Cover Mode, Salaam Brian. Welcome to you and the listeners. Wa alaikum salam. <laughs> Shukran so much. <laughs> um, you know, Brian, I know you for a while now, and um, you know, we. I'm, I'm often in his office just talking about what's happening in the industry, and I would like to know from you and I'm sure our listeners would too is how did your journey in fashion lead you to the Cape Town Fashion Council? Well, I, I think I started out, you know, I think a lot longer than 20 years ago. I graduated in 1987. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> so I, I've been in the industry as a designer, I think. I spent about seven years as a designer. And then um, I decided I needed a bit of a change and I moved to Port Elizabeth and I spent some time there. So if, if your folks wore the Quantech tracks, it was probably mine. <laughs> you know, so uh, I did the whole Quantech period and, and I did a lot of work for retailers and uh, the big retailers in South Africa. And then I moved on to... Uh, a strange day, I was wanting to move to Cape Town and uh, from Port Elizabeth to Cape Town, and then uh, a job opening off opened up in at CPUT, and uh, I decided, okay, fine, it's a challenge or something I wanted to do, and uh, yeah, and I spent 17 years at CPUT and um, the Pentec and then CPUT, um, and then uh, the Fashion Council was formed about 10 years ago, and then I was elected to be uh, on the board. And as you mentioned, I've served on the board for all of that time. And then, and then there was a, I took a two-year sabbatical. And I thought two years off of uh, CPUT. I need a break. It's an industry experience. Mm-hmm. And I was offered to be the CEO of, of the Cape Town Fashion Council, which I said, I'll do that for two years. It's now gone five years. <laughs> wow, it's five years now. Wow. <laughs> five years now. And, so, and yeah. you've been doing a, an amazing job. Thank you. Um, and uh, for anyone who'd like to call in, the studio number is 021-442-3530 or SMS on 47913 to 
ask questions or just to give some comments on um, today's show. Um, we have Brian Ramkulewan of um, the Cape Town Fashion Council. Am I saying that correct? That's absolutely fine. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> what is the role of the Cape Town Fashion Council? We're, we're a non-profit organization basically there to mentor, um, to, to uh, provide business support for designers. It's about cultivating partnerships and entrepreneurship within design, the design space. I think designers tend to function in a very creative space and I think they, they focus is more on the creative side of things and we tend to help them a lot with the, with the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's about getting, um, you know, the compliance issues sorted out, getting the companies registered, uh, um, making sure, well, we do a little bit of events as well, you know, we're part of the Fashion Weeks in South Africa. Uh, as much as we're a Cape Town-based organization and we have a, a quite a substantial national footprint as well, um, we, we have partnerships in probably about 11, 11 outside of Africa countries. Um, uh, in Africa as well, there's also a big thrust into looking at that. And I think you and I, we chat a lot about the, the modest yeah. uh, thing that we really, the modest <laughs> yes. way, uh, having modish in, in the, in, in the in room the as well. In the studio as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the studio. And I think, I think that there's, there's, there's fanta- fantastic spaces in Africa which that could grow as well. And I think we're looking and we're talking about mm-hmm. it between you and now, we're talking about those things. Um, going back to what the council's about, you know, Finding ways to support designers has always been one of the things that, you know, coming from an academic background, you, you constantly wanted to support their businesses and wanted to grow them. And um, we have very stringent monitoring and evaluation processes mm-hmm. as well, where we, we measure the businesses. Uh, you know, if, for Cape Town is now the number one fashion destination on the continent. So, you know? I, I don't know, I think I might have, have that question later, but since okay. you mentioned that now... <laughs> There's always a battle between who's the fashion capital and, you know. It's, it's difficult to talk about fashion capitals. I mean, we, we you know, it's, in, it's South such Africa, a, it's in South Africa. But right now in South Africa, the, the, the biggest fashion, this is a, a, an international global monster that basically gives you the stats. We, we're the number one in Africa. Mm-hmm. Joburg's number two. And I think we're the only two countries in Africa that are being featured by global monitor. Well, I might be corrected. I haven't seen the latest stats, but uh, I stand corrected. Is this based on the designers? That's it's design. Uh, it's design. What, it's design yeah. and activity in the fashion in the fashion spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, I think yes, you know you yes. you know about the programs we run. You know, we run somewhere in the region of about twenty nine sure, twenty nine yes. workshops a year, and and that is purely based on on, on input that we get from designers. We we very. Um, we, we, we're not when you pres- say input, is that the kinds of information that they're looking that for? That things that they are looking for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's things that they need, you know. It's like social media and social platforms, mm-hmm. you know. Th- those are really, really key things. I mean, you, you know, retail retail has always been an issue for, for designers in South Africa, you know, finding spaces to retail the garments. They have fantastic product and it's difficult to retail. And I think online spaces are the new ways in which we need to be looking at. I mean, these young ladies are probably... A, very tech savvy about that and I think you know we need to do a lot more in those spaces and and find ways in which you can market your products online. Mind you I've seen social media make an amazing or Mm. has it have an amazing impact Mm. on designers and I know of one who has only only marketed her her design label on Instagram and she can't stop working because she's got so much business. And I think the markets that we're looking at right now, the people, the consumers is shifting as well. I think, I think people are going to become a lot more savvy as we move mm-hmm. along. You know, people are still reluctant about sizing and sizing features about online spaces yeah. and buying on online spaces. But I think there is a, there is a big shift. People are understanding and, 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 you know, you buy once and then the next time you know exactly what your product's going to be like. You know, and I mean, we, we in our social media spaces, we, we're probably reaching about 19,000. We reach about 64,000 people 
in uncertain weeks, you know, and, and depending on what the posts are. So, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at the virality of the, of the, of the process, you know, uh, I'm all about shows and I'm, I'm a keen supporter of fashion shows, but I think it has its time and its space. Mm-hmm. But you, you're reaching an audience of 600 people and, and in that space. If you're looking at an online retail space and if you're looking at an online virality space, if you had to post it on, on the Cape Town Fashion Council uh, social media space, you're likely to reach somewhere into 10 to 15,000 people, you know, rather than this, the 600 that you see at a show. Shows are great. You need to have them. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a specific, <laughs> specific platform for it. But I think, you know, looking at online spaces is really critical right Does now. Does it also depend on the target? Um, I mean, are you targeting customers or are you targeting buyers? Yes. And Oh, you know, we'll probably call you in again with the Fashion Week representative and just chat about, you know, um, are we getting the target right? Um, and and what kind of buyers do we get there? And yeah, but I, I think that those questions, I think, I mean, those those are questions that need to be asked right now about mm-hmm. Fashion Weeks. Um, whether they are reaching the markets that they need to, to, to I don't know, maybe these young ladies would be able to tell us from what the experiences were at Fashion Week you know, and, uh, and how that worked out for them, you know, post, post the Fashion Week and pre-Fashion Week as to how the business is and how much has it expanded. And for us as the Cape Town Fashion Council, it's, it's key that you're growing the businesses. You're making sure that you measure and you grow. And we have a lot of measurements on that. Okay, and we'll, so we'll, we'll bring N- Nazifa and uh, Wada in after the break, and they're the designers of Mod Esh. Women, you are the queens of our nation, the mother of our home, the pride of our children, a light always left on. You are refined in your ways, a woman of substance, substantially phased by her everyday conscience. A conscience to live in a way that uplifts not just her home, but the home of her brethren. Styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, faith. Bring your ears closer now and your mind will explode and be inspired by the words of Cover Mode. Welcome back to Cover Mode. Nazifa and Warda Safi of the Mod Ish design label had models walk the runway on the South African Fashion Week last year, draped in soft denims, hand-embroidered Afghan materials and colorful turban head coverings. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Cover Mode. I'm so excited to have you here because... I think you've you've done something that I've been hoping to achieve, and I'm Brian knows this. <laughs> I've been trying to get your um, Africa Fashion Internationals and your South African Fashion Weeks to come on board with creating a category specifically for modest wear. So when I saw your designs on the runway, it looked so glamorous and beautiful, and really just different um, from from all the other offerings, and also something for the modest wear customer. My first question, obviously, would be what is in the name Mod-ish? Where did it come from? So the name Mod-ish came about by us as designers trying to figure out our identity and what it is that we want to portray to the world. Um, And it it came down to um, what was modest and what was timeless as well. So it was a play on modern and modesty at the same time so that basically came about the name of modish and that's how it is today wonderful and then appearing on the runway what was the process of getting to the runway 
Well, um, we were actually approached by South African Fashion Week. Um, they somehow stumbled across our social media accounts and they felt that we had the potential to enter a competition that they ran called the Sunglass Hat New Talent Search Competition. So it was quite shocking to us. Uh, we were surprised. Um, I won't lie, I was a bit resilient than my sister. Um, because we have no formal training in design whatsoever. She comes from architectural background, I come from a medical background. So be that may, we decided no, let's enter. They felt it was a great opportunity. I mean, they even said, you know what, if you guys don't make it f very far, at least your portfolio will be viewed by one of the best names in fashion. Mm -hmm. So we, we went through, we submitted our portfolio, and we made it through to the semifinals. From the semi-finals, we had to produce the entire range, send it through, then that was judged for, finals. judged for finals, and then, yeah, we made it through to finals, and that's how we managed to showcase the South African Fashion Week. Wonderful. And then, Brian, we know that there is a, you know, a whole curation around uh, your Fashion Weeks, and mostly, if you get to a Fashion Week or are selected to be on a Fashion Week, you need to have a design background. Obviously, with the Mod-ish, there was a great opportunity that they were looking for talented individuals, and it had to be inspired by your origins. Um, the theme of the, the competition was individualism, so that you could basically play on. So we decided that, first and foremost, we modest, we designers, so that's what makes us individual. But we had to do, we obviously had to push the boundaries a bit further. So we tied in our ethnicity being Afghan and South African, our mother being Cape Malay and our father being born and bred in Afghanistan. So we decided to use that as basically to push the boundaries on our range to make it a bit more unique. So is that is that I, unusual? I think, I think there's a big misconception that you know modest clothing is not is not fashionable. It's you know, very I, th I think it's really really fashionable, <laughs> and I think you know people people think that because you're in the fashion industry, it needs to be avant-garde and couture and and, mm -hmm. and you know beads and laces. And I, I think modest has as as I said earlier on, definitely has a space in the market currently, mm -hmm. and uh, and and it is very fashionable. And I think you know it's up to the younger designers like yourselves to to turn it into something where people. And I don't think it just needs to be people that that come from an Islamic background. Mm -hmm. No, that we yeah. need to wear it as well. You know, it, it, it's it's becoming something that is fashionable for everybody to wear. You know, instead, as you mentioned, medical profession. You know, I, I, I my, when I left high school, that was my coming from an Indian family. It's one of those things that you've got to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I need to be a doctor. So, so I was going to become this doctor, and then, and then I, I went back home and I told my mom, my family. Oh, you know, by the way, I didn't enroll for that. I'm, I'm, I'm decided to become a fashion designer, and this is 1984. Where it was, you know, there were very few and far between to have uh, fashion designers that were coming out of the, the Indian community. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. <laughs> your your range was called Isalat, yes. if I'm correct. What was what was the inspiration behind um, Isalat? So as um, Nazifa mentioned um, about the theme that was. Um, um, done by the SA Fashion Week, uh, being that it's individualism and how we interpret individualism, individualism to be as designers. Um, so, like she mentioned, we went through a process of brainstorming what this means to us. What makes us individual? How can we make a range that is individual? 
And um, we brainstormed um, um, what we could do as a range, and we came up with the uh, using the, the the fabric palette of um, your soft denims because it's the most popular. Mm. Um, it's what's the most popular garment in any female's wardrobe is denim, whether denim shirt, the denim jeans, a denim jacket. Um, so we use that as our base. Um, and then we incorporated the um, our ethnicity to make it to to send it over the edge a bit, um, and we incorporated the handmade um, embroideries um, on the on the garments itself. And then to name what the the, the range would be, Isalat is actually a Pashtu word um, that means unique, uh, one of a kind, and Pashtu being our father's um, our father's mother tongue, uh, and that came about the name of the actual range. So it's tying into the theme of um, the competition um, as well as tying into um, our interpretation of individualism and tying it back to our ethnicity. Okay, yeah. we have Mod Ish, Nazifa and Warda in studio and they're talking about the Isalat range. If you'd like to call in, you can call us on 021-442-3530 or on our SMS line 47913. And thank you to our SMS caller 5675. Um, he or she says, welcome guys, keep up with the good work and great show. Thank you so much. Um, on that Isalat range, what kind of reviews did you get from the the your your range? Um, media wise, or from the media public, from, from the, the public, because I know you've been selling in different boutiques from home yes. as well. Um, yeah, um, is it you know are they loving it? Do, do they want to see something different? No, the response that we got and we're still getting has been absolutely phenomenal from the time we we showcased. Um, on the night, um, immediately after we showcased, um, Glamour Magazine put up an Instagram post, Cosmopolitan put up an Instagram post, um, we bumped into the, the fashion editor of Marie Claire and mm -hmm. she was going on and raving about how amazing the range was and how fresh it was the, with the use of colour and what we did, especially with the headscarves. Um, and then she mentioned of um, doing an online um, article and it just snowballed from there. There were a number of um, online publications that were done um, about us, about the range. Um, and also within the community, it's just been an overwhelming um, response all around. Everyone oh, is just and loved. You loved just reminded me, if today. you'd like to read one of the posts that I did for womenonline.co.za <laughs> on Mod-ish, you can go and take a look at that because then you can actually see the, um, the range as well. In fact, I'll put a post up yeah. as yes. well as show you some of the images because I, I know it's so <laughs> difficult on radio and, you know, the, the, just to see the textures and the beauty of the material and how they ma matched it up. Well, what I like even more, and, and, and as you said, you had to combine you know your origin as Afghan as well as South African is that um, even in your modest attire whether it's from an African aesthetic or an Islamic aesthetic it has a place in a retail store in anyone's cupboard and what I liked is that you combine both of that you know sort of a South African heritage because it really looked like it could cover any uh, culture or faith, anyone could wear it, and that is exactly what Brian was saying in terms of, um, you know, it's not it's not confined to one specific market. Um, just on the, where do we find you? Um, so, basically, our business operates 
majority on social media. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> like Brian was talking about earlier on, we if you see we basically that's what we that's what we work from from Instagram and from Facebook, and um, we do a lot of mail order across the country. Um, we have a huge clientele based across South Africa as well, and within the community, um, we work also from home. So that's that's where you will find us. Brian, back to you. What are the burning issues that that the clothing industry is facing? Well, I think the burning issues right now. I think I think they can explain that even more than I need because I'm, they're on the ground. And uh, you know, it's 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 come down to raw materials. You know, we have fantastic designers. We have fantastic product. We can produce fantastic. We we can produce the garments or anything that needs to be made. However, uh, getting the raw materials into the country is being an issue, especially in the form of textiles and hardware. You know, looking at buttons and 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 there's no one producing a lot of that in South Africa any longer, and everything has to be imported with a high duty. And I think um, that's where I think government needs to to have some kind of an intervention with with the process of saying rather higher duties for finished products than for raw materials. Mm-hmm. You know. Because I mean, these guys they they need the raw raw materials to function, and right now for them to be paying a duty for them, if it's not made in South Africa and we cannot find the fabric in South Africa, then the duty needs to be dropped. And if you think that all of these were made many years or well, a few years ago, yeah, locally. Yes. What would it take to revive that? Well, I think there's still a lot being made locally. I think you mm-hmm. know, and I think it's it's the younger designers. I mean, we we have last year we we did a, a, an estimate on on what the return to the GDP was, and that was in the, in the millions, close to a billion rounds of return on GDP for a small for a small company based on one to three people working within the company. Uh, if you're looking at our our database of 400 designers and you do the multipliers on that. Uh, including retail and including downstream jobs, you, you're looking at quite a few people that are still working in the industry. You know, I, I have, I know somebody that that brings in sewing machines into into South Africa, and he's bringing containers of sewing machines. And 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 you're curious to find out as to who's buying that. It's it's the younger, smaller people, and it's mm-hmm. it's a younger, smaller designers that are running smaller one to three one. Three yeah. to five people businesses that are running out of smaller venues. You know, people think that that is not job creation. And job creation is job creation, which way you're looking at it. Whether it's a three-man company mm-hmm. or whether it be a hundred-person company. Because who knows? You know, two makes a company or three yeah. makes a company. <laughs> sorry. And um, you never know the potential of that if you don't give them that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the startups. I think you know is where where the focus is with our with us and our organisation. We we look for people like yourselves, you know, and we look for the young designers that are up and coming because that's where the the the, you, the more people that we find like you that we can help grow your businesses, the more jobs we're creating downstream. Mm-hmm. And it's about job creation at the end of the day, you know, and and we need jobs. And if we if we're looking at saying Sub-Saharan Africa having the biggest working population by 2040, mm-hmm. we need to start putting interventions in place right now. To create those jobs, it's difference having people. They're having the biggest working population. It's a difference having an employed population. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that those are things that need to be weighed. And if we don't have a strategy from now, from 2016 mm-hmm. to get to 2040, we're not going to do. And, and the clothing sector is is one of the sectors where you can you can train people in three months. You can have a machinist having a job. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than other other vocational. I'm not saying others need to be there, but I think this is a faster learning curve mm-hmm. for people, and and you can employ a lot of people. A lot faster. I'll probably ask you later about the training workshops that you offer. Yes. 
I know, I know because we, you we mentioned have, we have, so much now. We have a turban wrapping workshop coming up soon. <laughs> yes, we will chat about that <laughs> at another stage. Um, Brian's referring to me hosting some turban workshops at the Cape Town Fashion Council. I'm really looking forward to that because, as some of you already know, I've been posting some uh, YouTube turban style uh, how tos, and and purely that was just to see interest. And I was so amazed at how much, just like you were amazed that when you put something out and you get feedback and feedback is what is so important. And it's crossing over cultures, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not stuck in in its own lane. It's it's crossing over into multiple spaces where people are wanting to wear a term. And I mean, it's, it's, pretty fashionable i think it's fashionable i I think it finishes off a garment someone who who focuses on a very niche market and that is bridal um bridal couture um described as the quintessential bridal resource for women planning their weddings honeymoons and everything else muslim bride magazine has all you need in one copy to plan your wedding with ease and we have on the line aisha najib editor of muslim bride magazine assalamualaikum aisha Aisha, I'm Alhamdulillah. You know, it was not so easy to get Aisha to a specific time because Aisha travels. Aisha is busy putting a publication together. And for those of us familiar with putting publications together, we know that as an editor, that's a hard job. So how and why was the Muslim Bride conceptualized? Firstly, thank you, Rashan, for having me on your show and for speaking to your listeners. And... uh, I, a few years ago, we, I attended a wedding expo and noticed that there were a lot of bridal magazines out there, but none of them focused on the Muslim bride, especially in terms of the dressing. So that's where the idea came up, and we've been working on it for some time. And alhamdulillah, we launched last year. And also from a personal point of view, I've noticed that Muslim women and marriages are negatively portrayed in the Western media. And on the contrary, the majority of Muslim women are either studying, they're professionals, and they have their own businesses, and they're happily married. And that's what we're showcasing in our magazine. Okay, so it's, it's quite a broad number of, of features or contents that you cover. What can we expect to see in the next Muslim Bride magazine, or how, how often does it come out? It is a biannual publication, and it's a wedding and lifestyle. It's basically celebrating the Muslim Bride. Muslim bride. And we've covered trend, latest trends in weddings, fashion, travel, health and beauty. And we also have some exclusive interviews, our own photo shoots. And one of my personal favorites is the Real Brides feature. Yes, I love those. All over South Africa. Because, you know, we are, and it's, it's wedding season at the moment. Yes, <laughs> and I think if, if you're in Cape Town, if you go to Boer to Rhodes Memorial, to the gardens, <laughs> you'll probably see a lineup. Of um, sort of your, your of all of your your, your brides for the day, um, ready yes. for their photo shoots. <laughs> yes, and you know it's one of the highlights. Of, I mean, I've never been to Cape Town. I've never experienced a Cape Town wedding. But being uh, uh, the bride sending their photographs through, going through the interview, it makes me feel like I was there. And it seems like it's so different to what our the Durban weddings are, but it's yet beautiful. So what, what is a Durban wedding like? Because uh, I think all of us in the studio know what, a, what, what a, a Cape Town wedding is like. What is a Durban wedding Cape like? Cape Town weddings are a bit more calmer, laid back. The scenery Calm. is so much better there as well. Okay, wait. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to hold that thought. We're going to cross to an ad break because I'd really like to know the difference. <laughs> okay. Stay tuned. 
styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, and faith. This is Cover Mode. Aisha Najib is on the line and she's the editor of Muslim Bride magazine. And she's here to tell us more about the Muslim Bride magazine and what we can expect in the upcoming Muslim Bride magazine. But before you get to that, you were telling us about the Durban weddings. Okay, the, the biggest difference I've noticed is the Cape Town weddings. You have two, this, the bride wears two dresses. You have the nikah ceremony mm-hmm. and then it's the reception. So whereas in Durban we have it one time, it's one dress. And we're the Medora as well. I've learned so much about it, it's so beautiful. And so I think that's the most, um, that's what stands out. It's, it's the dresses. Well, I've and also the heard of the three day weddings, the engagement, the nikah and the walima. Yes. Yeah, which, which <laughs> I got it right, hey, I can't believe that. <laughs> But it's all very exciting. It's a special day in someone's life. And um, uh, in terms of the Muslim Bride magazine, what can we expect to see in, I think it's the current issue? The current issue. Okay, we've got uh, one of the highlights is my interview with Judge uh, Khayat Sali Shlopi and how about her wedding. We've got also lots of bridal tips and our real brides issue, uh, real brides feature as well. So it's everything. The magazine has everything a bride would want from the time I think she gets engaged to her wedding and her post-wedding as well. And uh, would you mind sharing some beauty tips with us? Okay. You know, there's so many beauty tips and advice on makeup and hair. But the thing that stresses all brides out is the dress. And I spoke about it in the first issue as well. Well, We have a few designers and we have... uh, a destination wedding or even at home, all brides need a dress. Yes. And most of the dresses sold in stores, they're either strapless, and we have shown in our magazine that you can cover them up with boleros, with inners, and it looks modest and it's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that this is, that's our dilemma as, you know, modest wear uh, cons- yes. customers that you know, we, we're needing to layer or find mm. something and we've had actually a few bloggers who do amazingly and the reason that they started their blog was to inspire um, how to wear you know your retail or outfits or garments and yes. how to cover them up and so that you're looking modestly and also in terms of age um, you don't yes. want to wear something that you're going to make you look like your aunt or your mother you want to, to wear something that's going to make you look your age and I think yes. I also mentioned this to Laika, um, who is the, the blogger of Southern Hijabian, is that um, I think when I was younger and I had a scarf on, I was often called auntie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm nowhere near being anyone's auntie yet. <laughs> and yes, and this is what I'm enjoying in terms of what I see, is that we're, we're starting to approach the way we look and the way that we style ourselves as young Muslimas um, or young modest uh, wear you know, consumers. Um, sorry, a little bit more your age. And uh, that's the difficulty. When you do find a modest wear outfit, hmm. it's 10 times your age. 
Yeah, that's what we have in the young designers now. You know, these guys are in the dish. I think you know they they changing that, and I think there are a lot more designers. I mean, you've met Nawal Keat as well, and yes, Nawal Keat, Mohammed Rawat, M Couture. There's quite a few of them that have come up in terms of your your bridal wear. M Couture also does a lot of bridal. Suri's Boutique also does a lot of bridal, and of course, we're mentioning designers from Cape Town. I'm sure you know a few of them in Durban as well. Yep. And where do we, how do we get a copy of Mod, uh, of Modish? <laughs> how do we get a copy of, <laughs> of Muslim Bride? Okay, so magazine is available in print and digital. The digital is available at the Apple and the Play stores. Mm-hmm. The print version, it's available at selected exclusive books throughout South Africa, some stores in KZN, and in Cape Town, it's at the Timbuktu Bookstore. And we just confirmed this morning at Studio 47 Fabric Store. Wonderful. And also, so, you can mm-hmm. order both the issues directly from our website. It is 70 Rand each. And you order two or more issues, we're not going to charge you for the courier. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely, beautiful, glossy magazine with um, great features on on an inspiration in terms of um, your wedding dress to, as uh, Aisha mentioned, beauty tips to, I think, your list of what to get ready for your big day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Everything you would need, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Aisha. I wish you all the success with the next issue and we look forward to reading it. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Pleasure. Assalamu alaikum to you. Assalamu Back to our guests in the studio. That was Aisha from uh, the Muslim Bride magazine. And our guests in the studio are Nazifa and Wada Safi of Mod-ish Design Label and not Mod-ish, the Muslim Bride magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Brian Ramkillowin of um, the CEO of Cape Town Fashion Council. And, uh, you know, looking at the issues that we face from in the industry here in South Africa, what or how does CTFC assist in eradicating or combating those issues? You know, um, while, we, while we're talking out there, you know, we, we look at a lot of things in a negative space, and I think we mm-hmm. need to shift that. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. We need to shift the negatives and turn them into positives. I think a lot of the things that we're looking right now, you know, the, the RAND being where it is, um, the labor rates being really high, we consider that as, 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 as things that will not be conducive to good business. But I think right currently we, we need to look out with what mm-hmm. we're trying to do as well because I think with the current rate we can sell a lot more product internationally than we mm-hmm. need to sell locally. I think the local consumer needs to be intelli- needs to be taught about buying local and and uh, because a lot of them would rather buy from, I'm not going to mention any names, but they would rather buy from hmm than, than, than buy from a fantastic product sure. that is beautifully made by a designer. Uh-huh. You know, and, uh, and I think those things need to be changed. And, and if we change that, our, our high labor rates, for example, you know, we keep saying, oh, our labor rates are too high. I mm-hmm. think it's a good thing that our labor rates are high. We're not, we're, we're not in a space where we, we, we are producing things in, a, in an ethical and a fair trade kind mm-hmm. of a way where we can pay the living wages, mm-hmm. unlike places in the, in the East, though I'm not going to mention mm-hmm. names mm-hmm. either. <laughs> um, um, because I think, I think you know, by paying a fair wage, we are paying a fair wage to people that can have a livelihood. And most of these are, are single women that are, that mm-hmm. are taking yeah. care of families, you know, and, and I think that is important thing the, the South African consumer needs to, to learn about that and, and learn about buying local is supporting the local industry and I think that the big drive is through 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 the unions and through through other avenues about and through us you know we, we have a brand called Waza as well which means we're only ZA 
which we are relaunching. And, and Wurza is, is, is a loose term for coming together in, in Zulu. And I think we're trying to relaunch that brand and try to get it off the ground again now because I think it, it's, it's time now and, and with shows as well. A lot of the things that we're doing right now, uh, we, we're looking at international trade fairs mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a big platform. I mean, we had designers that just come back from Magic now in Vegas. Uh, we have designers that go to pure London. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would be great to take a, a, a modest collection that would go to London to show in London, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that, that space is there. And I think, as I said earlier in the conversation, modest is not about a, a, a cultural space. Modesty is about a, a, a style of design, mm. you know, and, and that encompasses everybody, not, not just a specific Muslim person that would dress up that way. Okay, on that note, let's take a break and we'll be back with you talking to Brian Ramkilowen, CEO of Cape Town Fashion Council. Styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, and faith. This is Cover Mode. Great conversations coming from my panel here in um, on Cover Mode on VOC 91.3 FM. And if you are live streaming, that would be www.styleafrica.vocfm.co.za. Uh, <laughs> That's www.vocfm.co.za. Brian, you know, what sort of assistance does CTFC need? Well, we're a non-profit organization, so it's always difficult, you know. So we know you're always looking for money. money. (laughs) So so if if there's a a kind donor out there that will help all the designers, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, but I think essentially it's it's about it's about raising funds. I think that we we are constantly looking for new ideas, and and we're an upward company where we we prefer people to to input into what we're trying to do. You know, if there's something that the the, the public wants to recommend to us, mm-hmm. you know, we're more than welcome to entertain that and listen to it. We might not entertain all all the suggestions, but we prefer to to listen. Um, I know I've been at the at the table like that often. Yeah, you. and uh, yeah. Know, it's, it's constantly. I mean, uh, 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 Roshan has a special folder on my on my inbox, you know. So, so, so all of you are giving ideas. We, we what about always, doing this? How yeah. can we collaborate on this? This is yeah. what I'm looking at. This is the gap in the community, and 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 this is exactly it. This is why I say, in terms of what exactly what you said, is that they're open to ideas, and if the idea fits the put. The, the portfolio of the Cape Town yeah. Fashion Council, by all means. I, I think when we, when you when I first met you, and I think you know we started this whole conversation about modest clothing, and mm-hmm. and, and, and there wasn't anything happening. Then we sat in my office and we we, we bounced these ideas, and then we thought, of, okay, let's why don't we get a few of the people to look together from the Western Cape, and now it's gotten to mm-hmm. a space where it's it's, it's, it's grown one, it's almost bigger. organically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's and it's like you know that seven degrees of separation away. <laughs> it's, it's the most amazing thing because I think right now it's it's not just the South African thing, you know, we, it's like we've sparked this idea that this came out of nowhere, and, and now everywhere in the world you're finding people that, are, that are talking about yeah. modest clothing, modesty wearing, yes. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's not just here. It's become a global It's become phenomenon. a global thing, and I think, I think pretty soon we're going to see a lot more of it on the catwalks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. on, 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 the, on the high-end catwalks, you're looking at London Fashion Week, you're mm-hmm. looking at uh, at New York Fashion Well, I, I, yeah, I, I am aware that they've also got the Preta cover, yeah. um, a couple of designers, even from Indonesia, that's mm. on that yeah. in the, in the, the London, London Fashion, Fashion Week. Yeah. Um, and this is the, the, 
Well, one thing about modest wear is that it's always existed. Your trends, they come and go and will always have a focus, but modest wear is something that's almost classic, timeless. It's something that's been worn by, you know, centuries ago. Um, Stems from different eras as well in terms of when women did cover fully. Um, And I mean, an era that I love is that Victorian, Mm -hmm. that medieval Mm -hmm. sort of era, although there were also corsets and stuff. But in any case, um, you know, they were all very modestly dressed, but refined Mm. in a way. And I think that's what we're trying to bring across in terms of what modest wear is. It's it's a refined look um, and, and one that can be worn by anyone in their particular style or character. I, I just had a look at modish now. Okay, mm. I, I was at the Fashion Week and I looked at the product. I, I, I wouldn't have recognized that as being modest wear if I didn't know that. Oh. You know, because it, 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 it had turbans and I think, you know, I'd recommend to the listeners to have a look. I mean, it's a really, really good product, you know, and, and it's very current. Uh, and and it's not as though it's 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 in a, it's in a single lane. You know? No, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not at all. How does one get in contact with uh, Cape Town Fashion Council? Well, that's pretty easy. You know, I think you know as a, as I mentioned, we very online space. Uh, we're www.ctfc.co.za, uh, Twitter ctfc underscore za. Um, Facebook, social media. So I think you need to follow us on any of those platforms, and and we basically most of the most of the communication that goes out of our office is basically done online. I know that this is not the last time you're coming on this show. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. And we'll probably bring different panels or guests or, you know, in which we can engage in those sorts of conversations. Because I know the questions I want to ask, but from a Cape Town Fashion Council perspective, I'm sure that you'd, you'd like to get some answers too. Yeah, uh, uh, that'd be, that'd be, I'm more than happy to come back. Awesome. Mart-ish, what can we expect from your next range? So, um, the future of Monish, the not so distant future, is we um, launching our new range coming out this week, um, officially tomorrow evening. Yeah. So, people should keep an eye out on our social media for us advertising when we're having a little night market um, uh-huh. event. Ooh, that um, sounds interesting. Yeah, putting a spin on the normal um, open days oh, um, so during the and day. So. Yeah, because yeah. some of the people at work don't, aren't able to come to yes. yeah. your... Yeah. Yeah. So, we're putting a little spin on that and having... Um, a little night market this week so people should yeah keep an eye out for that it's um it's called the blenders range um so we release um ranges uh, based on a specific theme that we go with and this theme is blended and it's basically incorporating um our two different backgrounds other than fashion design so it's my architectural background and my sister's national Ooh, medicine so using those concepts very interesting yeah yeah so, so the, the the structure of the garments is more architectural like we gave it a bit of structure and the color palette was more from a holistic mm-hmm. aspect oh, yeah. from the green and also yeah. like you know the fabric that we chose how it ties in with your whole holistic approach yeah approach, yeah so, so people should keep an eye out for that this week and how often will that market happen or will your will you so we're running that market for this week yeah so we'll advertise it and then we run um, open days usually over weekends to Mm -hmm. accommodate again the working class um, people that can't attend during the day um, during the working week so we'll accommodate them on a Saturday on open days like we have uh, during the month and Brian besides the royalty turban workshop which is going to happen soon at the Cape Town Fashion Council what's the upcoming workshops I think the upcoming workshop is on social media and blogging 
coming up for I think in the next two weeks. Um, we, 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 as you know, we run about 27 workshops a year, and you guys don't want to come to attend. I mean, people are coming, yeah. and, and it's relatively cheap. It's 100 rounds per yes. workshop. Yes, oh. so, so. yeah. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been to some of those workshops, oh, and they're very, very yeah. formative so and it's really, resourceful. I mean, we, we prefer to subsidize the designers. We understand the financial positions that designers are in. That's, that's yeah. probably one of the reasons. And we're a non-profit organization. People don't know the behind Designers the scenes. Designers are always yeah. on a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I trust that you enjoyed your time here in the we studio did. with me Fantastic. and on Cover Mode. Thank you for joining us. And I trust that you, the listener, had a wonderful hour with us on Cover Mode. Till next Monday, I'm Rashan Isaacs wishing you a joyous week ahead, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>